Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minutes, a daily podcast which we disassemble a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe in one-minute segments and then examine it in obsessive and occasionally hilarious detail. I'm Kyle Olson from the Swashbuckling Ladies Debate Society podcast. Hey, and I'm Rob Cabosco and Kyle. Yes, sir. Um, you know, you know uh, I and I know you share a lot of this, uh, fans of space expor- exploration. I've got to get exploration out of my mouth here. It's a fine morning. Um, I think you got caught on the SpaceX. As the space oh, the but there's so much. Exactly. Yeah. A lot going yeah. on. Uh, and, you know, I can remember 11-year-old me, and I know we have talked about this, I think, on a previous season of the Marvel Movie Minute. Uh, 11-year-old me, 1983, I dragged my dad and brother to the theater to see Philip Kaufman's The Right Stuff. And, of course, everyone knows The Right Stuff based on the Tom Wolfe's best-selling book. If you didn't know that, you probably do now because there is a new series of it on Disney Plus under the National Geographic brand. It is very interesting and it's an interesting addendum to this movie. But this movie I love. I mean, I love it for the soundtrack. I love it for the acting. Amazing characters. Um, we have, you know, we have actors, uh, Ed Harris, Scott Glenn, Lance Henriksen, Dennis Quaid, Sam Shepard, Fred Ward, Barbara Hershey, Veronica Cartwright, all these amazing people playing amazing characters, really true characters. But there's one character in the movie that I think goes unsung, and that is Edwards Air Force Base. Because a lot of this takes place, obviously, at Edwards. Uh, it is in Kern County in Edwards, California. It houses the Air Force Test Center, the Air Force Test Pilot School, and NASA's Armstrong Flight Research Center. But here's the really cool thing about this place. It has been the home of incredible, notable moments in the history of aerospace exploration. Uh, Chuck Yeager's uh, flight that broke the sound barrier in his Bell X-1 in 1947 took place here. Test flights of the North American X-15, which if you don't know about the X-15, one of the unheralded stars of our early ventures into space. The X-15 was this black sort of dart-like looking craft that would uh, be taken up into into the air on the wing of a B-52 bomber, and then it would go off and and it was did such amazing uh, things for data and research on supersonic travel. The space shuttle, all different types of aircraft have a, have their their in their lineage. They owe a lot to the X-15. Um, the first landings of the space shuttle I can remember were at Edwards Air Force Base. And in 1986, the around-the-world flight of the Rutan Voyager got its start at Edwards Air Force Base. It is a, a landmark in, in worldwide aerospace history. The reason why I bring it up, <laughs> it is another character in the following minute. <laughs> That's true. We're going to be spending a couple minutes uh, at Edwards Air Force Base here as we hit minute 61 of Iron Man 2 from 2010, directed by John Favreau. Uh, uh, you're a couple years older than me, so the right stuff didn't didn't uh, hit me as hard. Uh, that sort of passed me by. But for me, I was still a big fan of the, the I get the space bug, I guess it is. Uh, but for me, my movie was Space Camp. Oh, yeah. Oh, Space Camp. Yeah, loved that movie. Yes. Uh, I mean, you had a you know a, a wacky robot and kids yeah. in space and a space shuttle because the space shuttle was the coolest thing right then. I mean, I can't remember how many toy lines had their own space shuttle in it. Uh, yeah. I know uh, Transformers had one. I believe G.I. Joe had one. I think did did Mask have one? If not, uh, they should have. Mask had something close to it. No, G.I. Joe definitely had one. And Space Camp, you got to love Space Camp because yeah. 
truly an improbable like the story yeah. is just no, let's put like okay we have a shuttle on the launch pad let's put kids uh-huh. in it play around with it hey you know what just, just for funsies just for funsies let's let's put all the fuel into the rockets yeah, <laughs> right and you know and pack it full of spacesuits and you know pressurize I, it and everything oh, i mean you know man it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's worth totally worth seeing. If you've never seen Space Camp, see Space Camp. Yeah. That just brought it back a, up. It is a lovely piece of '80s cheese. It really is. It's actually okay. no, it's actually very funny. So uh, we we pick up where we left off, uh, which is Rhodey flying away. Uh, yep. We we start with on the uh, the contrails, I believe those are the uh, as he rockets off uh, in the Mark II armor, uh, leaving Tony staring at him in. Uh, I don't really know because his his, his visor is closed. <laughs> so Should we're I... meant to. Yeah, is it shame? Is it fear? Is mm. it? Yeah, that plan worked exactly as I thought it would. Sentimental uh, acceptance. I guess so. I guess that's the nice thing about the the flat face. You can just right. ex- put any emotions onto it, and, exactly. and you're fine. So your interpretation is just as valid as anyone else's. So then uh, apparently, it's all, either either that party went really late into the night, or it was a long flight because he goes from Southern California all the way to Southern California uh, and now it's dawn. <laughs> Did you get so the idea? It, it's really not that far. No, no, hold on. This is this is the far where I do got to say something really funny happened here because, yeah, it's it's broad daylight, you know, right? Yeah. At Edwards oh, yeah. Air Force Base. And, and we'll talk about what happens here. But here's what it makes me think of. I think Rhodey, uh, before he was going to hand over the suit to the United States military, uh-huh. I think he went on some trips. <laughs> oh, okay. you think there's a there's a lost adventure there? I of think like there's a, some rodeo just like maybe he did his own. He flew by Palisades uh, Park and uh, uh, waved at some kids in the, the maybe, Ferris wheel. And maybe uh, there's a could have been Mrs. Rody, and he went to stop by and say, "Look what I got." He might have checked out some other things. Maybe this is how he got. Uh, maybe he went and picked up some money in a few places to pay off that car that we talked about that he drives. <laughs> oh, no, it really does make you wonder because these these locations are very close to one another. Yeah, and he's in a suit that he would have made that trip fairly quickly. Very quickly. Yeah, there is something to said. Now, clearly, there's a reason why you do this because he needs to you arrive. Have the nice dawn. Yeah, he, he needs like, to arrive in sunlight because we're right. about to talk about what happens. But yeah, something happened between point A and point B. <laughs> Okay. All right. Say so there's there's an adventure waiting to happen. So maybe there's a a Disney Plus animated movie, Rody's Great Road Trip. <laughs> yeah, Rody's Road Trip. Rody's oh! Road Trip. Oh, that's great. Uh, so uh, we we cut to and, we, and and the Chiron shows us on the screen. You know, Edwards Air Force Base. Uh, so we know exactly where we are, and this is literally Edwards Air Force Base. Uh, yeah. The Air Force was was had a they had a very good relationship with John Favreau and the and the team on Iron Man One, and so for Iron Man Two, they said yeah, absolutely. And even John Favreau was shocked at the amount of of help and assistance they gave, including allowing they're like, what do you want on the runway? <laughs> oh, uh, so he like got to like sort of like a menu go down the thing and say oh here's all the ones and we'll talk about those as they as they show up too but they really rolled out the red carpet i guess they liked how the air force was portrayed which i think is very open-minded of them because in iron man one they were not super it it wasn't uh a a necessarily a heroic kind of uh portrayal because he did damage a couple of their ships and you know he kind of flew circles around some of their flyboys and uh uh but yeah but uh speaking of iron man one 
we have a returning character here because as we uh, are hanging out inside the control tower of Edward Reserve Base, we see Major Allen. Uh, so Major Allen was also in uh, Iron One. He's the one that said, shoot him down. Like he's the, the guy who was in control when uh, Tony was uh, got caught over the, uh, the uh, DMZ uh, with the, the planes were on there. So this is he's played by Tim Gooney. Uh, this is his second appearance in the MCU. Uh, and he has 161 credits on IMDb. If you've watched television in the last 20 years, you've seen him because his he's been on almost every major drama television show. A lot of times in uniform, but not always. Um, this is actually the, not the last time he will be in the MCU. He will return in a couple episodes of The Punisher. Oh. Yeah, uh, he has he got to start. Uh, Rob, you'll like this. Uh, he he had a very good 1986 because he appeared. His first two television appearances were on Spencer for Hire and The Equalizer. Oh, yeah, that's a great the original show. Equalizer, yeah. not the uh, Denzel Washington remake. Um, uh, currently, he is filming the new series Clarice. Oh, and by the time you hear this, it might have already come out and been canceled because that's the way things are going these days. Yeah, but really. that is that is the uh, the story of Clary Starling after the events of Silence of the Lambs. Oh, where she yeah. basically is just—I think she spends every episode in therapy. Yeah, and, uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, it's it's still a good gig for him. So yeah, so it's nice to see a recur- a returning face too, especially as like the face of the military. Uh, so as they're they're going by, they they get a radio transmission, uh, and it says Edwards Tower. This is Lieutenant Colonel James Rhodes. I love he uses the full <laughs> the full title. Inbound from three miles east at five thousand feet. Uh, and so we we see him go, and uh, he does uh, one of those. I don't know. When you come really close, it's the tower. This is Ghost Rider requesting a flyby. Negative Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. <laughs> that is clearly an homage to Top Gun oh, because uh, he does the fast flyby over the tower, and they all the, the papers fly up, and everyone shakes like oh, uh, as the the uh, Iron Man suit. Even though that's not I, okay. Here's here's a question, a, a nomenclature question. That's not Tony Stark. Is that still Iron Man? Oh no. So at this point, he's it's a guy in. The Iron Man armor? He's a guy. Or it's a guy in armor. He's in Stark technology He's armor? In Star- like- yes, that's that's what I would say. I would say that okay. Iron Man, in terms of designating Iron Man, it is Tony Stark in, well, I guess you could say, he's kind of like the president in Air Force One. Whatever plane the president happens to be in, the American right? president, it is designated Air Force One. So whatever suit that Tony is in, that is Iron Man. But yeah, this is just, yeah, this is just a, a, a soldier in Stark technology. Yeah. So, or does as soon as uh, Rhodey puts on the suit, does he become War Machine, even though he doesn't have the name yet? Oh yeah, I I would agree with that. I think. I don't, no, I'm, I'm asking the question. I'm just I'm just curious. Like it's a question of uh, you know w- at what point do you become that the hero? Like when the when the when the when the shield closes when the shield when goes the, down when the okay. closes and goes down that's it it's official then he's 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 like then he's officially war machine from there on in he just they just haven't officially stuck the name to him yet that's which, a, yeah that's it <laughs> that's pretty good that's <laughs> so uh, as as they're cutting back and forth and we see uh, we see a soldier standing in front of what we know as the stealth bomber uh, but is actually known as the Northrop Grumman B two Spirit 
It is the most expensive aircraft procured in the U.S. military history with a total program cost of roughly, and this is in uh, 1980s dollars, $45 billion. $45 billion a pop. That's with a B, I mean, people. yeah, that's totally, that's insane. I mean, well, and you know what's incredible about these? Is that they're the flying wing. So if you don't know what you're, yes. you know, what, what are we talking about? This is the ones yeah. that, and they still fly them over sporting events. Well, we had sporting events, which we will again, mm-hmm. depending on when you're listening to this. They technically they are still in use. Yeah, they're still they're they still be. in service. Yeah. Um, but this is a flying wing. The flying wing, this, that concept is like seventy years old. Like it's not. Yeah. Germans were playing with that during you know World yep. War Two. Yep. I mean, and we're gonna see. We're, we'll see a version of this uh, from Hydra. Yes, and, uh, Captain yes. America and the uh, first adventure. Absolutely. No, I mean, like this, this concept is a is a well-worn, well-executed uh, concept in in not, well, I would say military aviation, really, because it hasn't been used in commercial aviation. But there's a lot of reasons for this. And one of the main reasons is, is that not only is its aerodynamics great and it's reliable for flight, it helps to prevent being picked up by radar and other mm-hmm. types of tracking uh, yeah, it was, it, I, I did this sort of a little bit of a detail. I won't, I'm not going to bore you all with the technology because, oh, like, no. the Wikipedia page is really exhaustively really, researched. Yeah. <laughs> they have some good stuff, but like, just listening to all the different things about how it's the reason it's painted that way is is so it can adjust its the colors a little bit uh, depending, so it, to make it harder to visually spot. They, like, and so they they actually have a sensor on board that will detect where they are, how much sunlight is getting to it, and so they can adjust their flight path. So that they are more concealed by the amount of sunlight that is hitting it. It's just fascinating, you know, uh, military technology. So I guess maybe they're getting their forty-five billion dollars worth. It's it, let me tell you this. Here, the the cool part about this shot is is that we get the shot of this soldier, and we do know who the actor is in this. He gets. The- I don't. Uh, I, I, one of the things I learned listening to the commentary is that because the U.S. military, or I should say specifically the Air Force, were so welcoming, most of the soldiers you see are soldiers. Oh, so, like, great. the guy standing in front, as far as I could tell, is actually a real soldier. Like, and, and that's a real in-service B-2. They rolled it out, and they said, you, like, you, you want a you stealth bomber? Yeah! So oh, they rolled that's... it out onto the thing, because it has to be kept in a special air-conditioned uh, uh, hangar. Hanger, right. Because uh, the the special coating that they put on it uh, has to be preserved, so so they rolled it out just for that, and then rolled it back in so that it could be preserved. Uh, so all these things are are real things. They said the only rule they had is he was not allowed to shoot it from behind. Oh, so apparently there's some kind of secret technology thing that they did not want preserved in a movie that people well, would discuss minute by minute in oh, ten no, years. Okay, because we because <laughs> yeah, we were talked all about that. Now that's yeah. interesting because probably because one of the one of the stealth technologies on these types of aircraft is is exhaust. Like how does it buffer yeah. the the obviously the forces that come out the back of the engine uh, or the engines yeah. in this case? So that's probably it too. The other the one of the things I do want to bring up about the the uh, stealthiness of this aircraft is the detail in how they designed the access doors and the landing gear doors. It's not mm. your traditional door that's a rectangle. It's and you can see it in this shot, which is very clearly because it's right over the one the shoulder the soldier here, right over his shoulder. It's kind of got angular edges to it. That is also aiding in its st- stealth ability, for lack of a better term. In that the you know if it, if it had been um, standard uh, shaped doors, those seams would have actually provided more signals when radar and other things are bounced off it. And that's from basically what I've understand. I always take an interest in this type of aviation. That mm-hmm. kind of stuff. 
That's where $44, $45 billion goes. <laughs> right there, like that. $40 would have been a bargain, but $45 is I'm really 45. pushing. Um, so the, the, we see on the plate that's on, on front of the landing gear that would go up, uh, the destination 21068. Do you know the significance of that number? Oh, February 10th, 1968. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> uh I think all of us around the Marvel fans around the, the globe are going, Rob, how could you not know that that's the birthday of Peter Popovic, the Swedish NHL defenseman from the Montreal Canadiens? Oh. He began his NHL career in Montreal, where he played for five seasons. He also played for the Rangers, the Penguins, and the Bruins. I, that's cool. He is currently alive and running, and, and he went back to home to his native Sweden, where he is working with the Swedish team right now. This is your this is your long way of saying that we don't know if there's any more. We, we don't know the significant yeah, number of that, know, okay. no, too. But it could be that Jon Favreau is just a big fan of Peter Popovic. Oh, uh, that, would, that would be cool if that's the case. I hope that's the case. All right, way to go. Shout out to Peter. There we are. Uh, so as, as we're going, as we see then uh, War Machine, I guess we're going to call him War Machine now because that's what we're going to know him as for the rest of his time in the MCU. Uh, flying over, we see a bunch of other planes there. Uh, the the large uh, cargo plane is that's the Boeing B-52H Strato Fortress. Uh, there also is another Boeing there. There's a Boeing C-17 Globemaster III. Those are the like, two sort of big cargo planes. Um, we, we have a couple of... Uh, Actually, I say there's one fighter jet, which is the Lockheed Martin F-22 Raptor. And then if you look farther on in the background, like right behind that, there's only one shot, is the Rockwell B-1 Lancer. That's a, that's a bomber. So that's the other sort of, when we, there's like sort of three planes you think of when you think of the stealth technology. You think of this one, you think of like the sort of more arrowhead looking one. And then you think of this one, which is much more, uh, like an SR-71, like sort of the long, skinny right. uh, type. And so that they have that in the background. And like I said, these are all actual working planes. These are not replicas. These are not uh, ones that they, they CG'd in. These are actual real ones from the Air Force that they rolled out onto there and just arranged them the way they wanted to. So... How heady must you you be? Like, how much power must you feel flowing through your veins when you're like, no, no, I want the F twenty two set about two feet more to the left. I want to get this shot. I want to. I want to place the right? shot correctly. I want to have. I want to have all three planes in. So, can you take that one and just have one of your soldiers just take it out about you know fifty feet behind? Well, you know, I love and I love the way that they set this up because as we get this great like sweeping, it's a point of view, almost like as if the camera, which is not really, but almost like the camera's attached to like Rhodey's left shin right so we get this yeah. really cool shot that obviously is helicopter shot you know not really drone yet i wouldn't think but you know they get this nice sweeping shot they've cg'd in you know roadie on the right side and you get the you get great the heat blurring the lighting mm -hmm. the effects here is really nice i love this shot but yeah you would think that there's a whole reason as to i mean somebody decided how they were going to lay out the tarmac here yeah and that's pretty amazing <laughs> <laughs> the military is like, look, it's gonna, it's gonna, this is gonna make us look cool. I mean, yeah. I know it's it's more complicated than that, but really, actually, yeah. At the end of the day, kind of. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like uh, Tony's been really getting into the armor all because, boy, the Mark II is sure shiny. Like yeah. he really, I guess he. I mean, it's on display, so it makes sense. But like he really went to town on well, on buffing it. Now wait, so this is interesting in terms of the effects. So so as we see, we go into a point of view from Rhodey inside the uh, the helmet before he touches down. And, yep. and when you see, like we talked about in the last one, he's back to the the original OU. Yes. Like he's, uh, it's all white. Uh, right. Like, and so we see some some of the in real basic information, uh, speed, telemetry, size of two. And then as he drops down, it looks like there is 
a there's no Jarvis, uh, but there is some some sort of AI or, or assistant on board because it does start to identify people as humans. Right. Which okay, now so I found that interesting in that yeah. you have this UI that again is very basic, but it's nice though. It's I mean, there's certainly that sort of retro look to it from the previous movie. Um, but yeah, like it's starting to put up almost like I kind of liken this to like little baseball cards, like like they're popping mm, yeah. up next to the people and even yep. to the craft that's actually in the hangar. How does it have all? How does it have all that information about people? That's a good question. Is it is it connecting back to the Stark uh, database, or is this something that's it's on board? It has information there. It's, there's no I way it's know. been. Si- well, see, this is my question. It's you mean to tell me? First of all, it's got to be connecting. <laughs> this is, I guess, my point. It has yes. to be connecting because there's no way that 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 suit that has been sitting in the Hall of Armor, yeah, has been up being updated. So it's connected to something. True. This goes True. to what we talked about in a previous couple minutes. Tony clearly has allowed this to happen and has allowed the connection to continue because it's got real time information about what's going on here. That would be my assumption based on this. But yeah. I, I do think that's interesting that it would have things like, yeah, here's who these five guys are waiting to greet me as I touch down. That just seems very specific. So uh, now this is this. I guess I should have researched this before I ask it, but hopefully your memory is better than mine. I seem to recall that after he takes this this suit out for the first time, Tony brings it back in and then gets the data back and then paints it. Like I, I, I isn't there a whole montage of like how he wanted this suit like to be yeah. with the new gold and red? Well, yeah, and so, I, so what how happened? is there still this suit? Because so, I thought this suit was converted into the Mark III. Um. Uh, well, no, now. Oh. I honestly don't remember. I'm asking the question because no. I, I don't remember that. Well, it's an upgrade. So, no, they they actually not are built from scratch. Yes, it is. It actually is two it different is. suits. Okay. So the Mark III is different. However, though, you are right. You go back to this, you know, paint the suit. Let yeah. me just say this. I would think that in Tony in assembling his, because, okay, we've talked about this before, I think. In the Hall of Armor, he has the Iron Man 1 suit. Yes. How? Yeah. That, yeah. They, they actually, it actually says in the heads up display facsimile. Facsimile. Like he, I, here's re, what I he recreated right. it essentially out of his from original design. Well, so that's that's not. I don't think that suit works at all. No, it's no, no, no. right. It's just it's just there as as a representation. But yeah. based on this, okay, here's the deal. Tony's in a workshop. His workshop. He's into cars. Cars involve painting, and they also involve stripping of paint. So I would think that at some point in creating his little collection, he decided to say, okay, I'm going to return the Mark II suit to its original luster, and he just stripped the paint off, and then that's it. Hmm. Okay, that's my that's going to be my that. theory. I'm, still, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking through my my Marvel Studios visual dictionary. The visual to dictionary they, to they find the. They don't say anything about it, but they do say the Mark Three uh, outer hull is weaker than the Mark Two. Easily flies at high altitudes. Equipped with the Unibeam weapon. So I mean that's that's different in that one. Right. But then they show the Mark Four is what we saw at the at the Stark Expo. Right. So it, because Mark Three obviously got got trashed. Uh, in the fight with Ironmonger on the on the roof of the um, Stark Industries, but I will tell you this though: as we switch from the the point of view now to where Rhodey is actually landing, and he's doing it very well. So so clearly, mm. again, Rhodey's road trip, right? He got really good at maneuvering the suit. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, here's the thing: absolutely gorgeous shot when he lands because the the camera's pivoting. You're seeing all of the aircraft that we just discussed, mm-hmm. but. The suit is crazy, shiny, and sharp. Yeah, it is. It's too, a little too much. And here's, I guess, okay, it makes it look really CGI. It that, does. 
But I'm wondering if that is not because he is in the bright desert sun. He is landing on a gray or beige flat space. And maybe that is what it would actually look like if you were wearing the suit in those conditions. I'm not sure. Hmm. Maybe my eye, you know, this is one of the situations where your eye is seeing it. Your brain thinks what it should see. And that's fighting mm. with what actually would be because you, you can't establish a connection between the two. I may have just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And so uh, the we have the transmission from Rhodey. And that's the only dialogue in this minute because he comes to a landing and that's it. That's Every, where he walks, comes to an end. The, the, the mask goes up. And I love yep, that so, shot. Because I mean, yeah, it's just obviously the soldiers on the ground are like, hey, Iron Man's back and he's in his original armor. No, right. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I mean, like he I love the fact that you can see that everyone is converging on him. The shot yeah. starts to pan out a little bit and you can see and just the music, everything. This, this whole thing is that, mm-hmm. whoa. I, I mean, I guess the theme is that the good guys have now got the technology <laughs> to do their good <laughs> guy things. It is. It's like, I. I uh, that's not how I'm feeling at the that's moment, but feeling, that's though. what the, the swelling music is sort of like, that's all right, he, it's in American hands now. Right. Things are going to go great. And everything's going to be fine. But yeah, because mm, there's yeah. no chance that there's a Hydra agent here. Why would you even think that? Oh, snap. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait. Oh, no. I'm just saying. Uh, a- oh, you just changed everything. <laughs> oh, this, and, this is uh, obviously this uh, is the benefit of hindsight. Like, I mean, we're we're assigning things. In, oh you know, no! Saying, oh, but, that's. But uh, but I gotta say, I'm gonna blow, I'm gonna blow your mind further. Even though that thing, uh, all these soldiers know who Captain Marvel was and what she did. Oh, that happened in, in continuity time, 15 years earlier. Oh, chances are that uh, Major Allen was already in the Air Force as was Captain Carol Danvers at the same time. What? Yes. I mean, I'm not saying every, every, you know, 18 year old kid who just got his head shaved for the first time and is, you know, hoping to one day sit behind the the stick of a plane uh, knows everything, but like she's She's, in force. Like they know. And like those were not secret events. You know, we've talked about this before. Like right here, when you just said that about about the Hydra agent, like okay, right, no, right there, that's a whole that's a whole what if episode waiting to happen. Yeah, you go right oh, back. Yeah, true. No, you go to this moment, and you yeah. show Rhodey coming, landing down. Everyone's merging, but there's one soldier who's in the back who's going another way, and he so ro- the and he walks the, behind a warehouse and he does and he pulls out his little yeah. communicator and he says, "Yep, they he's here. Yeah. What do I do?" And Hydra, yes, <laughs> like what happens so, then? So the the. Uh, the Disney Plus series that will never happen would be the one I'd be interested in is that you follow a young recruit of Hydra from like the 90s all the way through to oh, Endgame. Oh, wow. Like you have, it's like a, like a Breaking Bad. Like you, you follow this, per- and maybe by the end he breaks good, you know, like right. he, turns out, he turns out to be a hero, but you create a new character and then have them sh- like, you know, in the background of these events all the way through, kind of like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. style, but like, you know, you have like, different angles of these things that we're seeing. So he's there, you know, he's at all these different events of, of, uh, of the, of these, these heroic events, even though like, they're actually like, you know, turning things to their own ends. Like you have cameos from Sitwell, and, uh, you know, that would be, it would be interesting to see it from, from that perspective. But of course that's really stepping into the darkness. And I don't think well, really wait, I mean, what you're, what you're describing is the Forrest Gump of the MCU. Yes. <laughs> the 
Yes, but the evil Forrest Gump of the like, you know, like not not oh. necessarily like like I was there at the World's Fair when they showed off the Stark showed off his flying car. No, it was sort of like I was there and I saw it and I needed oh. I know that the the, the leader needed to know this information, so I told him this. Oh, but I mean, you know, like I, I was there. I helped program Arnim Zola's original design oh, to download his consciousness into the computer. But I almost kind of think like then you could go the other route and you could just make it full on Forrest Gump, where he like he's the guy who's like coming in. He's like, yeah, so I was there and <laughs> and uh-huh. I saw that this wire was unplugged and I plugged it in and then the portals <laughs> opened and everything went well. Like end of story. Like, <laughs> yeah, you didn't like even the know. battle with Ironmongers happening on there, and he's like, hey, somebody forgot to plug in the arc. <laughs> Reactor. <laughs> it's at full power now, Tony. Yeah. Oh my! Can you imagine that? You just find out the whole MCU was just a sham uh-huh. because it was all this one yeah. guy who just yeah. kept falling into situations. Just happened to all these kind of things. Oh my god! Hey, Cap, you dropped your shield. <laughs> like, like he's he's constantly there, like throwing it back, like it never actually bounces off. It's always this guy, like, hey, it fell on the ground. Here you go. And then we see him like catch it. And, Wow. Punch an alien in the face. Take that, Chitari. Well, there you go. Well, yeah, yeah, that's not happening. It's not going to happen. That would be Um, pretty great. Yeah. So that's, you know, as we, as we mentioned the U S military and we've mentioned uh, the Montreal Canadiens, you know what the two of them have in common? Uh, uh, no uniforms oh and if you want to have your own type of uniform your own uh your own clothing that matches all the, with all the other fans that you stand saying legion you can do so because we have our own merchandise Yay. yes we do nextwood.com slash merch you can find all the different uh, things that we have uh we got masks we have shirts we have mugs we have any of that kind of stuff to to show your uniformity with all of the the legion the the Mary Marvel Marching Society here at the Mar- Marvel Movie Minute. Uh, you can do so. And a little bit of that comes back to us to help us keep the show running because bandwidth ain't free and neither is server space. Uh, so you can nextreel.com slash merch, uh, buy stuff for you, and tell us about it, send pictures of it. Uh, we would like to see our stuff in the world uh, more than just Rob and I sending stuff back and forth. Could you believe they made this? Well, yeah, but they made this too. Look at my uh, pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Look at my mug. Um, so you can do that. So uh, we'll be back in 62 when we actually have dialogue again. Uh, and so we'll have them uh, as the U.S. military, the heroes, uh, finally get the chance to have the access to the Star Technologies. And so things will go great from here. Yeah. Enough said. Bye. <laughs>